welcome to the Cowbell Fever Podcast. I promised we'd be back soon with content, and we're back with content. Last year after the Berkey, I contacted the two Sunday Classic winners, who skied the race in an all-out snow squall, and then I dropped the ball on actually recording a podcast. But I reached back out this fall, and even though it's eight months on, they were both gracious enough to come on and chat about their experience of bonking in a blinding snowstorm. One other note, if you remember the podcast we recorded a few years ago with Sean Cheshire, who is a blind Berkey skier, and actually who rode her own bike across the country this past summer, which is exactly as impressive as it sounds, and it is mind-numbingly impressive, there's another blind skier looking for a guide this year. They apparently ski about 10 kilometers per hour, they'd be skiing the Cordelopit, and basically they want someone to ski 30k and talk to them for a few hours. If you're interested, you can reach out to the Berkey office, and just email Ben Pop, which is ben.pop at berkey.com. Now on to Ian Torcha and Rosie Frankowski, winners of the Blizzard Berkey 2021. We're talking with Rosie Frankowski and Ian Torchia. They um, are the winners of last year's Classic Race, and I think we'll talk about why we're, we're focused on the Classic Race in a few minutes. Uh, for those of you who don't remember or weren't in town for the Classic Race last year, but before that... Both of you are living, uh, one in Alaska, one in Vermont, but you're both native Midwesterners from Minnesota. How did you come into the skiing world, and then what was your first experience with the Berkey? I started skiing uh, the day before I turned two, apparently. I don't remember that, but it was on golf courses around our house at night during the winter, and I was on my mom's back before that, so kind of always was on skis, and first experience with the Berkey, I think I went up there when I was five, maybe, and... We stayed near Telemark, and I just remember being, I mean, the lodge just got demolished, but I remember being amazed by how big that lodge was and just trying to find every nook and cranny of that place. And uh, I just, it was like, right away, it was kind of like a pretty magical place. Like seeing like the Norwegian warriors, their like statues in the front lobby. And like, it just seemed like it was from a different time. I, I immediately kind of, from a young age, was like, wow, this is really, really cool. And the expo. You know, getting all the free stickers and everything was always a huge hit for me. And Rosie, are you sort of Minnesota lifer skier as well? Um, a little bit later than Ian. So I actually started skiing for Southwest High School. So at the time, some of Kate Ellis was the coach and James Dundon, and I had friends that skied. And so, you know, they kind of convinced me to try it out. I had walked on skis before, as most like Minnesotan kids had done. Um, and I had alpine skied actually quite a bit but not Nordic. And so I, you know, tried it my first year as a freshman and I thought it was honestly horrible and so hard, but my friends kept me coming to practices. Um, and so then, you know, throughout high school got better and started doing like J and Q's and stuff towards the end. And my first Berkey experience, or the first thing I knew about it was that my parents who don't Nordic ski, um, and they went to school at UW Stout, they, during college, randomly raced the Berkey in the quarter lope at once without knowing how to ski. So like, uh, it took them hours and hours, but they were part of that like Wisconsin party crowd that um, went and would go to this place called Televark and like do this crazy race. And so they skied it. Well, my dad skied it a couple times. I think my mom only did the quarter lope at once and with one pole, she said. Um, but so I knew there was this like, you know, crazy race, but I didn't really fully understand what it was until I was probably in college and then went to the Berkey, not to race, but just like to watch my first year and realized it was really cool and that there's 10,000 people and it's this whole scene in this, you know, town. And I really, I, you know, I hoped that one day I would get to race it. And you both went to NMU. Did Stan ever let you ski the Berkey? No. 
I got to ski it. <laughs> oh. As a, when I was a junior, I didn't make NCAAs and, um, and I got to go ski it. And I, the one thing Stan told me was to not go with the lead group, which meant I skied alone for 50K behind the lead group. <laughs> so I blame Stan on that one. <laughs> Both are graduated from Northern Michigan and you're on development teams now. How has that, that experience been? And I guess, did you, you start it, did you start that before the pandemic or was that sort of a pandemic during pandemic experience? I joined the SMST2 team. This is my third year on the team. I followed my other NMU teammate, Kyle Bratchard here. Yeah, it's been great. I love it out here, staying at the house of the former Stratton coach, Surrey Caldwell. I'm in Sophie Caldwell's bedroom right now, but no, it's been great. And I mean, back to Stan, it kind of, he kind of pushed me to pursue skiing after college. That's kind of why I'm here. And yeah, I, I'm older than Ian. Um, I've been at APU for almost seven years. So I joined the team, um, while I was still finishing my master's at Northern, but out of eligibility. So I came up here in spring of 2014. So I would say, I now am one of the old people on the APU team, so been here a while. I'm still not the oldest by quite a few years, but I am up there. I, I heard through the grapevine that uh, people on the SMS team were, were giving Jesse Diggins grief for being being 30 and being the old woman on the team. Oh, yeah. Well, She's like the oldest on the team by like five years now. It's crazy. We're all, <laughs> we're all her little ducklings. Jesse and me are the same age. I think we're like maybe two weeks apart. She needs to come here. We have older people. <laughs> So you skied against her in high school? Yeah, she's a year younger in school, but same like age. Um, we're 1991s. I was like not on Jesse's level in high school. So when I say ski against her, like we were in the same races. I wouldn't say we were anywhere near each other unless maybe it was like an interval start and she passed me from behind. So, but I knew who she was. We were like friends. We knew each other, so. But yeah, I mean, it's there's quite a few people kind of throughout the country that like you actually grew up skiing against and watching. I mean, honestly, Ian came to NMU for his uh, like, you know, learn about the school visit oh before he went there. And <laughs> Sten put him through basically like a weekend of intervals. And I mean, it was like a hard weekend of training. And not to throw you under the bus, Ian, but you didn't really know how to classic ski, if I oh, remember. not at all. And you, he did classic intervals with, like, our, you know, collegiate team, which wasn't slow at the time, and kept up. And it was sensational. Like, I was so impressed. That was all in one, my longest run, but the longest interval set and the longest roller ski I've ever done in one, <laughs> all in one weekend. And I was sleeping on, like, a dorm floor. So it was, <laughs> it was an experience. Well, you impressed. So it was good. <laughs> That honestly sold me on it. It was, <laughs> I don't know, it was great. <laughs> Last year was, was sort of a crazy year, and you both were out at the Berkey. What was the thinking when you saw that you could do both the skate and classic race on separate days? Was there any idea of maybe I'll only do one of them, or are you both sort of all in? Oh, absolutely all in. It was a crazy year, and those were going to be my last races of the year, so it was, it was only fitting that it should end with 96K, 92K of skiing. That that classic race was felt like a lot longer than 46 K, but, uh, yeah, there was never any doubt about doing both of them. I just wanted to end an otherwise disappointing season on a high note. It was a good ending. The classic was, the skate was not great, but, uh, a good tough ending to a tough year, I'd say. So I got COVID in January and I wasn't that sick, but I, you know, back then, and maybe even now, like we didn't really know how like elite athletes would respond to COVID, you know, past, like when you come back and stuff. So I like 
took a super, super conservative approach to coming back to racing and just training. Like I took two full weeks of literally no exercise, which I don't know if I've ever done that in my adult life. Um, I haven't actually, I'll be honest. So I was, um, I started coming back to racing in like very early February and then actually did a 30K the weekend before the double Berkey. And so I was planning on doing one. I wasn't sure on how I would do doing two and not like results wise. I mean, like health wise. And I didn't have long haul COVID or anything, but you know, that's in the back of your head. And so I didn't decide to do two until I was talking to a teammate of mine at APU and he was like, well, why would you only do one of them? And I was just like, oh my gosh, okay, well, I have to do two of them too now. So then I like the Berkey let me into the classic race and I'm really glad I did it. It actually wasn't my last race as I did a marathon the weekend after here in Anchorage. Um, And I was totally fine. I survived and it was fine. I no health issues at all. But I remember like thinking it was crazy and uh, echoing Ian, like it was a really tough year and there's a lot of disappointments in like, you know, just when you don't have race opportunities that are certain and it's hard to follow a trajectory and, and then getting COVID was, um, a big challenge for myself, but for me doing both of them felt like a challenge and not even how you did in them. And so, although I wanted to do well, it was fun to have something that, you know, brought that excitement back to the racing instead of kind of uncertain disappointment. And so, um, I really loved it. Like, and I don't think you can do it. Like, I mean, I think the Berkey's on the same day this year. So yeah, it's really the only time that you're going to be able to do that to, to do the double. So I thought that now I'm like kind of feel cool. Like we're part of this club that <laughs> no one else has been part of. So you were second on Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right. Uh, sprint finish. Yeah. Which like is maybe not my strong point. Also, Elena's a super, super strong skier. So it was already going to be like, you know, toss up between the two of us. But one thing that I really should have done better was like preview the course in any way and understand <laughs> that there was like 4K of downhill at the end, which I had never raced on those courses um, or, you know, I like the telemark, that whole new stadium area, whatever. Um, and so I kind of thought there was going to be a last hill that like maybe I could make a move on. But again, like who knows if it would have worked. And then when I saw the bridge, I was like, oh, oh, this might be bad for me. But um, <laughs> I mean, second in a sprint finish, like that that's better than I had done previous in any Berkey. So I was actually still like proud of myself. <laughs> and Ian, you were in a pack the whole way and uh, was fifth overall. Yeah. Um, so I came in really wanted to win that race because I got second the year before. And um, so I really pushed it out of the start, tried to do the, what Nicholas Deerhog did to the rest of us um, the year before and take it hard up the hills to like 15 K and I'd kind of get little separations at the top, but nothing to sustain. And then because it was a turning around and finishing at Telemark, it's kind of the same thing that I didn't really know the course. And the le- the second half was kind of rolling downhill. And I did a lot of leading and ended up cramping up with like when Johnny uh, Hagenbuch made his move um, with like 8K to go and just couldn't go with him. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was really bummed out after that race. And like, it took a phone call with my, well, I guess my fiance at the time, my, my wife now, to, and she was like, you know what, tomorrow, just like, don't, don't go in with any expectations. Don't think about anything. Just go race. It's your last race of the season. Just like, just go enjoy it. And I guess enjoyment for me was going with a, with like 35k to go in a solo snowstorm. But that was, yeah, it didn't really think about it the next day. And it kind of, 
worked worked well. Saturday was a pretty fast course, and then you woke up Sunday morning, and it was just dumping down snow. Well, first, what were you going to look at for waxing in that in those kinds of conditions? I think we were both waxing with uh, Evan Pengelly, mm -hmm. so we got to give a big shout out to him because he we had some he nailed it great skis, especially like yeah. that was tricky. It wasn't I. That was amazing. I couldn't believe how good of like skis we had for, and especially with changing yeah. conditions throughout the course, getting more snow. I mean, yeah, <laughs> our skis weren't slow and they were kicking well. So that was great. I know he just kept it really simple. I mean, by the end of that race, the wax wasn't really. <laughs> the issue. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I feel, I don't know if this is for Ian, but like I had a little bit of, um, like confidence knowing that like probably it was going to be me and Elena and that she was getting waxed by Evan too. So if we had bad skis, we both would have bad skis, which like isn't maybe the best outlook, <laughs> but I was like, well, that's going to be a herringbone double pull race. So we'll see. <laughs> you both go out and it's just dumping down snow. What was your thing? And, and you both skied a lot of the race alone. What was your thought process on just how you were going to get through that, those kinds of conditions? Honestly, I didn't really think more than 1k ahead, which ended up biting me in the butt by the end. But Every time I went to the front, I just kind of tried to ski smooth and relaxed. And I was just honestly really enjoying myself. Like it was, it wasn't totally dumping by that point. It was snowing, but it kind of felt like a Marquette ski, honestly, because Marquette, you wake up and there's always another three inches on the trails. So skiing through that fresh powder at the front just felt really natural to me. That first, like for the first 28, 30K, it was, it was quite nice skiing, actually. Um, it was, it was snowing and it was starting to accumulate more and you had to go on the sides to double pull. You couldn't double pull on the tracks cause, or you could, but it was faster outside of the tracks. Gradually it just kind of whittled down and I didn't even really realize how much of a impact I was making behind me. And I just kept skiing my race from the front. I think by halfway after double O I felt really good and I pushed really hard. And that was probably my favorite part of the race was like, you know, you got the snowmobile right beside you and like double pulling. It's kind of a gradual downhill a little bit and I just kind of it's kind of hero skiing I guess like like oh, I'm gonna at least get some good footage here and so then <laughs> like 12 to 10k it started really really snowing and I could feel I, I had eaten all of my gels I drank everything from my drink belt and Elena's dad was on a hill with 10k to go and he had a coke feed and I missed it and I was like oh I just kept skiing and that I was like, I was like, should I go back for that? And I really should have gone back for that because approximately like three minutes later, I started bonking really hard. And then I was like, okay, it's 10K left. Like, And you knew the course at this point. You knew there was some downhill. Yep. So it was the same course from the day before. And I knew it was 10K left. And I was like, okay, yesterday 10K took 25 <laughs> minutes. I was like, okay, it's snowing. We're classicking. Maybe it'll take like 30 or 30 minutes, 35 at the most. And then it started really dumping. And that last 10K ended up taking like 45 or 50 minutes. And it was some of the most, it wasn't like acutely painful, but it was just, I have never been so out of it in my life, like bonked to the extreme. I kept looking back. I mean, honestly, I was like waiting for Rosie and Elena to come <laughs> ripping by me. And if there, if that race had been another 5K, I stay, stand by this, that Rosie would have got me in. <laughs> So it was definitely the most like epic race of my life. Rose, you also uh, led, led a lot of the race. You, you had at least a couple of tracks to follow, but similar skiing just through ankle deep snow. Yeah. I mean, we kind of had 
like we had a small girl like I think there was four of us Elena Katie Feldheim Feldman and um Caitlin Gregg broke off right away and it was kind of like one of those things where compared to the day before where we had a big pack through double O like no one was gonna push the pace and no one was leading and it was like I was nervous to go early but it was like well you know honestly it's easier classic skiing to your own rhythm so I just kind of would take the lead and then Elena and I just broke away and coming through double O I could I could kind of tell Lena was a little tired, but I wasn't sure, you know, what if she just would get a feed and be fine. But I was like, okay, well, now you have to like really focus because it's the double pull downhilly section, which ironically on Sunday, it was not that much. <laughs> like it was slow. Like it was not fast as Ian said. Like K's were taking forever. I mean, you were both about an hour, almost an hour slower than the day before. Yeah, which honestly, like the way I train and the way. I've done a fair amount of marathons and I had done this 30k in Anchorage the week before, which is individual start. And I had bonked kind of like what Ian's talking about during that race. I, like I knew I was in a better place than that. And I was like, well, this can't be as bad as that race. So it, it was like, well, I feel good. And um, the more it snowed, I agree with Ian. I felt like I was at NMU again. And I love skiing in slow conditions. Like any day, hand me a foot of snow over ice. Like I hate fast stuff. And the more grindy, the better. So I was like, kind of excited it was snowing and then elena like stopped to get a feed i think probably from her dad now that you mentioned it ian <laughs> like the, the location sounds similar or didn't stop but she slowed down and i didn't have anybody i didn't have a fee and i was like well i'm just gonna keep going and i assumed she'd catch up and then it was like maybe that just that was the break and then after that i was like oh well now you really have to send and um I luckily didn't have the blow up that Ian had. And look, I, you know, I had ski, had someone to ski with more of the race, but the whole way in, I was like, this is just fun. And I kept looking behind me and I was like, I don't see anyone. And then I started passing boys. And that was like, I was passing boys that like, they were not master blaster men who had blown up. We're, they were like good boys. They were like top 10 in the skate. The, the yeah. Skate like race it was one before. of those things. I started recognizing them and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I thought I'd find my t- teammate Tyler from APU. And I was like, oh God, if I catch Tyler, he's going to be super mad. So um, I was nowhere near actually catching Ian. But at the time I was like, this is kind of interesting. And it, it felt, I don't know if Ian had this experience, but like it felt like you were just out there for your solo ski and you'd randomly run into someone and you had a snow machine accompanying you. So it was just like a... Except a, for when the snow machine stopped for me and oh. <laughs> I was off the front for five minutes and it was the loneliest five minutes. I Because I was like really bonking by then and the snow it was just coming down and this, the trail, it was like, I, I had my glasses up. The glasses were doing nothing by that point. And without that snow machine in front of me, making a track... Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go off skiing in the woods off the trail. I was at the point where I, it was one downhill where I like tucked and I put my head between my legs and I got really like dizzy and woozy and the, the snow machine was behind me doing something. I think they were like probably warming up, honestly. And I was like, if I pass out on this downhill, literally the snow is going to cover me and the snow machine is just going to come <laughs> running over me. And that's like, that's going to be it right there. <laughs> I mean, it was really hard to see. I I wear contacts usually when I'm racing. And like Ian said, I flipped my glasses up. My contacts froze. On the video, you can see me covering my eyes a bunch. And I was trying to unfreeze my contacts because the snow was so, it was coming down so hard and fast that like you couldn't tell where the trail was. Like I luckily had, you know, a couple tracks and a snow machine in front. But like 
Ian, I, I would have skied off trail. <laughs> and you wouldn't have even known because it was so much snow that. Yeah, it was just crazy. Like, it, it was like a dumping storm in Marquette. That's the only way I can describe <laughs> it, too. <laughs> I mean, the fruit from 10K to 5K, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm really bonking and like they're going to come behind me and they're going to catch me. And then from like 5K on to the finish, it wasn't even about like racing. It was honestly like survival mode. Like, <laughs> I was so out of it that I stopped on the side of the trail from this guy. This guy had a feed. Well, he had water. I He was on the side of the trail, and I just was cro- croaked at him. I was like, food, food, please. And he's like, I have no food. I have water. And I just, he started like running alongside me up the hill. And I was like, dude, please just stop. And I just stopped right there and downed his water. And that was 3K to the finish. And that last 3K felt like the longest oh my gosh at timber trail with about 9k to go ian you had seven minutes on the nearest competitor and that's what you won by if you'd gotten a back split that you had seven minutes would you have skied the race any differently would you have stopped for for cookies if you could have found them i would have been conserving as much as i could have conserved i was kind of skiing on fear that and also survival as i said but like I was honestly just trying to move my body forward at that point. And uh, the, wow, I didn't know it was seven minutes at Timber Trail and seven minutes at the finish. I didn't lose any time. Yeah, the, 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 the people behind you, else, yeah, everyone else lost Everybody was going slow. Because <laughs> it felt like you were just moving in slow motion out there. I mean, that last, there were people, the, the people that braved the snowstorm to come out and cheer. Thank you, by the way. They, you guys are amazing. That final, the bridge that they put up, I tried to muster up some semblance of like, skiing it wasn't even skiing at that point and i the people there i was like i'm sorry you have to witness this because i am just absolutely stumbling up this hill but honestly my favorite memory from the whole thing was seeing the post-race interview with ben pop afterward where he's interviewing me and i am so incoherent and i say something about my blood sugar being down in the dumps and he hands me a chocolate someone hands me a chocolate milk and he's not done with his interview and i just i just stopped the interview right there and i just down the chocolate milk cuz i i couldn't there's nothing i could have done between that moment i oh man yeah i'm making it sound really dramatic but it remains the most crazy experience of my life well cuz the other thing is you have to remember too like we raced a marathon the day before like this would have been an epic race without that and then you add in the fact that we like i mean both ian and i probably went as hard as we could have on the day uh in the skate race and then like you're trying to recover and fuel up that night but like your stomach's messed up and you're just hoping that you have enough in the tank and then you throw in that we're gonna ski for three hours in epic conditions and like thank god we didn't know that on friday (laughs) i mean i think we talked to a meteorologist earlier that week and and she sort of said there might be some snow but the storm sort of came out of nowhere at least for for that amount of snow yeah it was it was snowing but it was pretty calm for the first 35 30k and then it wasn't until the last Mm -hmm. 15 10k that it really started picking up like big time you know, you both finished that race and survived and not, not a bad way to finish out the season or at least get to the end of it. Um, this season, I'm sure, looks a lot different in that you probably are both hoping that you're not at the Berkey this year. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> so, Rosie, you were at the Olympics in 2018? Yes, yeah. She finished 26th in the 30K. 21st. Oh, my gosh. That's okay. People, <laughs> I'm impressed you know that. <laughs> yeah, but people, that's the thing, is people don't talk about that. But Rosie, 
Rosie, didn't oh, you get the, you. you got the, uh, notice that you're racing that 30k the night before, right? Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funky. Like I, yes, I didn't know I was racing. So I, so to counteract that I had never raced a world cup or, and I'd done U23s once, but like one time. And then I had, I went to the Olympics and like, I was starstruck from the beginning because I had never raced like all these idols and then we're at the Olympics and they're racing. But I was told that it was very unlikely to have a start. So I kind of treated the Olympics like a training camp and just tried to like train because I was going to go do OPA races after. I remember a couple days before the 30K, Matt Wickham was like, you know, you should make sure you rest a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, cool. We're two weeks (laughs) into the Olympics. Like I've already sent it training. And then the night before, uh, like I got to, I was told I had the start. And so I was like, oh my gosh. I really hope I'm not too tired, but it was, it was fine. It was epic. Like I had so much fun. It was an incredible experience. And like, yeah, I, I was a little nervous because it was classic and I, I, this sounds odd on a classic Berkey podcast, but classic's not my strength typically. So I was like, I oh no, this could be that's, really That's bad. for both of us. So. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very similar. <laughs> it's nice to do a classic race. It's a blizzard that really classic is no one's strength. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like Ian and me both, maybe our strengths are fitness. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so the longer, harder, maybe the better, but, uh, but yeah, I, so anyways, I did race in Pyeongchang and it was really fun. <laughs> And then, Ian, if, if if you make it, this would be your first time, but I assume that is your, your goal for the season. Yeah, um, it's been my goal since the last time, 2018. I was a few spots out um, after Nationals, and yeah, I just really, I mean, it's been a goal since I was a child, since I was a little kid, watching the Olympics on a little 12 by 12 inch TV with bunny ears and tin foil on the, on the bunny ears <laughs> to get color and because our family, we didn't have cable TV when we spent that money that she, my mom said we could either have cable TV or we could use it on sports stuff. And so we chose sports stuff. And so <laughs> every two years, we'd bust out the little 12 by 12 inch TV with the bunny ears. And it was, oh man, some some fun memories growing up of, we would put it out on the porch, you know, and, and it'd be like midwinter during the Winter Olympics. And like, you'd hear my brother from the porch like, Ian, we got color. And like, we'd all bundle <laughs> up and go watch the on these tiny little TV. So it's a goal for me and it's the best of both worlds because if whatever happens happens and you know, like going to the Berkey, if it doesn't happen, is a good consolation prize. For both of you being in China, despite the challenges, I think that they're going to have pulling it off this year. Honestly, <laughs> the, I read a New York times article about something about if there are procedures for if you test positive there, they put you in a their quarantine zone. I'm putting air quotes on that, uh, which is basically they equated it to a shipping container. So, yeah, uh, if we make it, hopefully we don't get sick and spend two weeks in a shipping container. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least the World Cup schedule is pretty back to normal, and so is the domestic racing schedule. So it's been really nice having that this summer and fall to know that there's the normal races that we have to look forward to. Because that was the big thing of last year is like, we didn't even know if we were going to race. So the big source of uncertainty. And for me, it caused me to train way harder than I should have been. So having that, those races to look forward to is really exciting. Best of luck to both of you. And we will either, hopefully either see you in Hayward or see you on TV from Hayward in, in a few months. And uh, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah, thanks.
Thanks to Ian and Rosie, and best of luck in the upcoming season. I hope we don't see you at the Berkey, unless it's on TV. And let's hope for some better weather this year, or maybe more of the same, so we can all have some epic stories. Although it will make the post-race podcast very difficult to record, so for me, I'm going to go for Sunny and 35, because that is the life. As always, thanks to Catherine Carlson for the fiddling. Thanks to any Patreon supporters for helping us out. Patreon.com slash Offsevit, that's my last name, if you want to join the fun. And stay tuned for more Berkey sound coming into your ears soon.